0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We're starting a new series here on Discovering God. And I've been really, really excited about it because many times our worship is based off of a concept of God instead of what the Word of God says about God. And many people will have different thoughts about God. You know, maybe He's angry. Maybe He's a mad God. Maybe someone spoke to you in your life and said, God's going to get you. God's going to get you. He's, gonna get you. He, he's up there with a the fly swatter just ready to swat you. But you know, in my Bible, 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. And again, I want to build the concept of who God is on, on what the Word of God said. And how many of you have ever heard this said before that when something catastrophic happens in our our nation well that was an act of god. Well James 1:17 says all that's good and all that's perfect come from god, okay? So what our goal here is is to help us understand who god is by the word of god and I believe today you'll begin to see that in and we'll get to the video in a minute. So just begin with me in John 14, verse number 1. Let not your heart be troubled or agitated. You believe or trust and rely on God. Jesus said, believe or trust and rely in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Now, this is some interesting verses here that the Lord Jesus is saying. First of all, he said that he's going to prepare a mansion for us. And twice in those verses, he uses the word place. Understand this about heaven, that heaven is a real place, okay? It's not some fictional place. Heaven is a real place. And it's interesting that Jesus said, I'm going to come again to get you. Now, why would he say he's going to come again? Because he's already been here once, and the Bible's very clear that Jesus is going to come again. And so he said, I'm going to come again, and I'm going to get you. Now, keep reading with me. And receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus himself said, I am the way or the path to the Father, the truth, the reality of all God's promises, and I am the life, the divine life that wants to connect to you. Now listen what he goes on to say that last verse. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes through the Father except through me. Now, there are many that will argue in our society that there's many ways to God. And you may hear this said before that we all serve the same God. We just get to him by different means. Well, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus basically just told men you, the only sure way to the Father is through the Son. So in saying that, there is no other way. Either you come by Jesus or you don't come at all. And uh, Jesus said in, in Matthew 7 verses 13 and 14, he listed two gates. He said one is a narrow gate, which only are a few on, but it's the road to life. But he said also there's a wide gate or a wide road that leads to destruction, but many are on it. So when I look at this, Jesus was the narrow road right here. And one of the reasons it's a narrow road is because the only way you get there is through the Lord Jesus. So we keep reading and he says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, know him and you have seen him. Now, Jesus right here is saying this to me and you. If you've known me, you've known the Father. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. And so literally right here, what, what he's telling us here is we're the same. The father and the son are the same. So anytime we find in the scripture who Jesus is, that's exactly how his father is. They're very similar in every way. He goes on to say, verse 8, and Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is sufficient for us. It's all we ask. But Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So literally right here, Jesus is saying, I am the complete revelation of who Father God is. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, turn with me back to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter one and I'm I'm giving you this just a little bit to to show you how our concept of God needs to be based solely and entirely on the Word of God. If we had time, I would I would read verses twelve and thirteen and fourteen. It it says this and I'm gonna paraphrase it. It says that we've been qualified as partakers of the inheritance in life. How many of you are qualified is by the Lord Jesus? Verse 13 says, we've been delivered out of the power of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light. That all takes place by Jesus. He said, even to experience redemption and the remission of sin, it's through the blood of Jesus. So, Jesus' blood, Jesus is what qualifies every one of us. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Now, the Greek word here for image means he is the exact revelation and representation of God. So he clearly tells me and you how the father is, is just how the son is. They are are entirely the same. The exact representation. So as believers here, I must learn to oppose And to reject any teaching that specifically says that that Jesus is other than the Son of God. Let me give you an illustration. There's many religions that will say this. If you ask them, do you believe in Jesus? They will say, I believe in Jesus. The question isn't, don't ask them if they believe in Jesus. The question is, who do you believe Jesus is? Because many will say this, he is a prophet. Or he was a teacher. But actually, my Bible says he's the son of God. And when I look at this right here, he is the image, he is the exact representation of what God is the firstborn of all creation. And in Jewish customs, the firstborn right here, it was leadership, he was favored, highly favored. And, and he was blessed incredibly. And it says Jesus was the firstborn. So remember this right now. If any try to tell you Jesus is other than the Son of God, then put that stuff down. Don't listen to that. Oppose that. I've had people that have knocked on my door not that long ago. And when I asked them the question, who Jesus is or do you believe in him? They said, oh yeah, we believe in him. But when I shot back and said, no, I believe he's the Son of God. Their exact uh, next conversation or word to me was, we'll have a good day. Again, you must be biblical about this and know this. Okay, turn with me to the book of uh, Mark chapter number one. Mark chapter one. Now, as you're turning there to Mark, the Amplified says in that passage we just read, he is the exact likeness of an unseen God. The exact likeness. Now, if we would have had time there, I would have taken you to verse uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Every one of those passages that I just read, and I encourage you to read there, starting Galatians 12 all the way through 20, but he would have said on seven different occasions the word in him, by him, through him, or for him. That's how every one of us must learn to live, is by Christ, through Christ, in Christ. And in and, uh, Acts 17, 28, it says that in him I live and move and have my being. So everything I begin to do in this life is through him. How do you get born again? In Jesus. How do you get forgiven? I, I repent of my sins in Christ Jesus. Second, or yeah, Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So again, we're going back and we're learning who we are in Christ now. This is where we're going this morning off of the video. You saw the leper. And what I want you to see today is how the leper discovered God. And I believe this is going to speak incredibly to you. So we begin here in Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Now a leper came to him. Now I'm going to stop right there as far as we get. Just for a second. Now, a leper came to him. If you want to study about a leper, it's all in Leviticus 13 and 14. A leper became a leper when he began to get this little small white dot on him. They said it would begin to appear and it would be the size of a bean. When they would get that little white dot on him in their society... They would have to go to the priest. And the priest had the authority to look at people and expel them from society or to readmit them to society. So as this leper right here goes to show himself to the priest, what the priest does to him is he he expels them from society. They are extremely contagious. And so because of that, they are excluded and isolated. So just think here, just for a second. How would it make you feel to never be around your family again, up close? How would it make you feel to know you're going to go through your entire life and you can't be like the majority of the population? And so also, when they would mark them as a leper... If I was a leper and I started walking toward Jim, I would have to start yelling out loud, unclean, 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 because he couldn't go around the clean. So to a degree, they were incredibly rejected. They did not have a normal life. And so you can imagine what it did to them emotionally, but also when the people in their society saw him coming, they would have great terror. To me, the only thing that I can even get remotely close with today is this, that remember years ago with the HIV virus, people were terrified by it. To a degree, this is how this was. Now, when you talk about the the leprosy here, it destroys the nerve endings. Specifically, the fingers, the toes, and anything that you would touch, like your nose or your face, if you ever touched it, So this man right here that we're talking about, he has an advanced case of leprosy. His skin tissue has extremely deteriorated. Can you imagine running into him even from a distance and begin to see what he looked like? I mean, most people would scream in in terror and horror and run. So I'm just trying to tell you right here a little bit about how bad this disease was, but how isolated they became. Now, go back to verse 40. Now, a leper came to Jesus. That's very important that we see that right there. This man who in society was identified as unclean, he came to Jesus. Jesus. And he was imploring or begging him, kneeling down to him and saying to him. Now I want you to see this. A man who probably hadn't hope, any hope. But he hears about Jesus. And he comes before Jesus. And he begins to beg. Now the interesting part is right here. Most Jewish commentaries insinuate that he reached out to try to touch Jesus. Very similar to the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5. This was a huge no-no in their society. That if you did this, you were going to likely be put to death. Because again, if an unclean touched a clean, the clean would now become unclean. And so he reaches out to touch Jesus. But you know what? Something's different with Jesus. When the unclean reach out to touch Jesus, Jesus didn't become unclean. Jesus made the unclean clean. You guys should have shouted right there. Let me tell you why. Because every one of us in this room were unclean. Romans 3.23 says, Every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So understand this today. You're not too unclean or too dirty to come to Jesus. And when you make the, 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 the stride or the acceptance in your heart and says I'm going to go to Jesus. Jesus is going to clean you up. Jesus has a heart for dirty people. No matter who you are. No matter what you've done. But again, he came to Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. And that's a huge word in our society. Many people say, well, it was just the will of God. Well, when this guy asked Jesus this question, if you're willing, watch how Jesus responds. Then Jesus moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with sympathy. Jesus was moved with pity. You know why that's a big deal? Because just as the Son is, is exactly how the Father is. If Jesus was moved with compassion, God is moved with compassion. And he said, he was moved with compassion, and he stretched out his hand, and he touched him. Now again, this was a no-no for their custom. But Jesus right here, he exhibits authoritative freedom over the law, which prohibited such physical contact. So you know what Jesus just does? He says, I'm greater than the law. And Jesus reaches out his hand to touch him. And Jesus says to him, I am willing. The Amplified says, I will be cleansed. You should have shouted there too. Because Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. So if Jesus was moved with compassion back then, and Jesus was willing back then, then the Father is moved with compassion, and the Father's willing. And so that tells me they still heal, and they still take care of people who come to him. Hold your place right there. I'm going to come right back to it. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter 3, that's way back there in the back. Now, as you're turning there... Note that Jesus didn't look at the leopard and say, Listen, dude, you've got to get your stuff together. you got to straighten up. you got a horrible attitude. Get it together. No, Jesus was moved with compassion. And he's still moved with compassion. Now, I want to help us a little bit this morning with the word will. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. But he is long-suffering toward us or toward you. Do you know the Lord is long-suffering toward us? Well, it's good to know. Not willing that any should perish. Not willing that any should perish. Now, oftentimes when we see the things like that, not willing, many times our thought, well, if it's the Lord's will, then God will just automatically do it for us. If it's God's will to save me, then God's going to do it. I don't have to do nothing. And he said there, not willing that any should perish. In the Amplified, the word willing there means it's it's not God's desire that any perish. Now watch how he ends verse 9. But that all should come to repentance. So you know what this just tells me? God's desire is to save every person on this earth, but unless we come, you come, I come to a place of repentance, I don't ever experience salvation, even though he desires it for me. So I have a part to play, I have a will to play, just as the leper came to Jesus... I come to a place where I acknowledge my sin and the way I repent is First John 1, 9. I confess my sin before God and he said if I would do that, he would cleanse me and forgive me. Now to help you with the word will a little more. If I had a living will today, my living will is my desire. I wrote down on a piece of paper what I want to take place Exactly. That's exactly what Father God does. He writes down his living will. But you know, there's a lot of people that have been willed stuff, but they don't even know what they're willed, and so that never does them any good. This is the same with the Word of God. God tells us his will, but i got a part to play also. Back to Mark chapter 1. So he said, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Can you imagine what that felt like? A man who thought the rest of his life, I'm going to have these little white dots on me. My skin tissue is deteriorating rapidly. I'm never going to see my kids, my parents, my grandkids again. And all of a sudden, this guy named Jesus comes into the scene and touches me. And now I'm cleansed. Verse 43, and he strictly warned him, and he sent him away at once, and he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now You know what the Lord does right here when he sends him to the priest? Remember, the priest was the only one that could readmit him or expel him. So this takes place right here, and Jesus shows that his freedom over the law is balanced by his commitment to the law. Here's an interesting verse that goes on with that. Matthew 5, 17, the Lord Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law, I came to fulfill it or complete it. So again, I've got to look at all that that Jesus said. Jesus was always about people, you think about that. Jesus was concerned about people. Now, when we look at a lot of this right here, many religious people will have the thought, well, that leper, he's receiving the judgment of God. That leper's getting what he deserved. And and the religious mind has the thought, trouble only comes to those who deserve it. Aren't you glad me and you don't get what we deserve? Woo. I'm going to tell you right now, I thank God I don't get what I deserve. Thank God for his mercy and grace. And so again, Jesus tells this leper, go show yourself to the priest. Can you imagine what's going on within him? A man who years of his life, everywhere he went, he had to stay. I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. And I highlight that today because a lot of people won't come to church Because they think church is only for perfect people. Church is for people that have never messed up. That's so far from the truth. Again, church is for every one of us. And in your eyes this morning, you may say, Pastor, I'm unclean. You don't know what I've done. Well, if the truth was the matter, you don't know everything I've done. I've told you most of it. But again, Jesus loves you. And what I see in this passage is this man discovered God through Jesus. He saw that Jesus in verse 41 was compassionate. He saw in verse 41 that Jesus was willing. And in verse 42, you know what he saw? Jesus is able. Jesus wants to. Look at the last verse there, verse number 45. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in the deserted places. And they came to him from every direction. Now, you know what was going on here? This man was so blessed that I believe he was going to the city. I believe he was going to family members and said, It's me. I'm clean. Look at me. And they would begin to look at him and they'd say, I see you. And then that's you again. What happened? And he began to tell them, there was a man named Jesus. And when I heard that he healed people, he saved people. He loves the dirty people. I came to him. I came to him just as I am. And he healed me. He forgave me. He set me free. And that's the same to this day. Jesus is still into the business of dirty people. And guess what? You don't have to earn it. You don't have to go to to church for 38 straight weeks and get a little church pen. You don't have to do 100 Hail Marys. You don't have to beg. Again, we're not beggars. We're believers. And Jesus loves us. One last scripture. Go with me to the book of Jeremiah 32. I hope I'm putting some hope in you today because that's the goal. That this gives you a biblical insight about how to discover God. The very heart of God. Ooh, God loves us. God loves us so much. It's, un- it's incredible. Jeremiah 32. Verse 16. And This is Jeremiah the prophet talking. He said, When I delivered the purchase deed, The legal documents. You know what your purchase deed is? The B I B L E. This is your purchase deed. Very similar to the song that we sang this morning I am who he says I am. And when you go to this book, you can be what this book says you can be, you can have what this book says you can have. And you can do what this book says you can do, all because Jesus has qualified us. When you get born again and become a child of God, you've stepped right into your title deed. And it didn't say just for pastors, it didn't say just for priests, it says for every one of us as a believer. He goes on to say in verse 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard or difficult for you. And so in reading that right there, what's your need today? What's your need? Do you need to be saved? It says, come to Jesus. Do you need to be healed? Just as the leper came to Jesus. Do you need to be forgiven today? Just come to Jesus. Are you tired and worn out? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden and labor. And I'll give you rest. But again, every bit of this is highlighted. Jesus is saying, just come to me. So when I come to me, you know what I've done for Jesus? I've given him permission. I say, move in your life, Lord. I, I welcome your will. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit FaithchurchLubbock.com.